Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Langer at the Mic, a Habs roundtable here on Langer at the Mic. And I'm joined by a couple of good old buddies of mine from Montreal. We got Mr. Matt Cowan, we got Stevie Consister, and Noah Siegel London. How's it going, guys? Great. How are you doing? Good. Honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy that it's getting, it's spring, the weather's warming up, and I feel like the warm weather has just completely rejuvenated me. Like this whole lockdown, I know for you guys, you guys have the curfew here in Toronto. We have like the downtown Toronto is essentially closed. So um, yeah, like it's been dead. <laughs> you know, like you walk in the streets of downtown, there's like nothing going on, but at least now people are outside. I mean, obviously we should be social distancing, but it's just been so rejuvenating with the weather, getting outside and working out outside with in the sun and all that by the waterfront. It's been blessed. So, yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, it looks gorgeous. I'm jealous of you working out at, uh, outside. Kind of want to join in there. But you know, Matt, maybe I'll join you in uh, Montreal if and when I uh, come to town. Maybe not this that weekend because be of the hug, but I'll be in for, uh, for, for Easter again. So maybe we'll uh, make something happen then. Sounds great. Yeah. How about uh, you, Stevie? What's going on with you, man? Oh, not much. Um, the school I was working at is closed until after Passover, um, just as precautionary. So uh, I'm off, but I'm uh, focusing on McGill. And uh, I'm actually about to work out for the first time outside uh, after this phone call. So I'm very excited for that. And uh, I'm loving this weather. It's so beautiful. Well, best of luck to you because I'll tell you, I did pull-ups or chin-ups today for the first time in a year, and it was very, very tough. It was brutal. So, and yeah, if you're on, if you're on Spotify, oh if you're not watching on, uh, if you're on Spotify instead of YouTube, you'll notice that our pal Stevie Consister is in the beautiful sun in his backyard, and I'm very jealous of him right now. But anyway, so let's get right to it. We're here to talk some Montreal Canadiens right now. Uh, we've got a lot going on. The Montreal Canadiens Day. Broke two curses in one because Yasperi Kotkaniemi decided to rub, or Brandon Gallagher decided to rub Yasperi Kotkaniemi on the head. And that broke two curses, the overtime curse and the reverse retro curse. But it didn't seem to, it might have created a new curse because now the game last night against the Edmonton Oilers got postponed due to Yoel Armia and Yasperi Kotkaniemi landing on the COVID protocol. But according to Pierre Lebrun, he reported that results from their testing will come out at 4 and they will update the protocol list by 5. They won't be playing tonight on Tuesday, uh, but we'll likely find out the state of the game on Wednesday and when Monday night's game would be postponed. But let me ask you guys, it took this long for a game in the North Division to finally get canceled, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you see all the uh, U.S. teams, they're, they're kind of dealing with a whole bunch of uh, cases popping up here and there. Uh, Boston's the most recent down there. Um so here we are 30 or so games in, and this is the first case up north. So I would say that's pretty decent. Yeah, and I would say, like, look, the other thing is even with the with the masks issues, like there's so much being made about the coaches wearing their masks not properly. Uh, whether, like, there was a whole thing with Dominique Duchamp. There was a whole thing with uh, also um, uh, Daryl Sutter. Sutter. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Sutter wearing it like down his nose or whatever. But hey, at least he's. I think I saw a couple of clips of him wearing it properly recently, so that's good. <laughs> but I feel like do you, do you feel like coaches should get fined like they do in the NFL for not wearing their mask or you know face protection properly? I think that they should because 
I mean, if you're going to put your face out on television and be a big sports organization that reaches out to a lot of people, you need to set an example. So if, you, if you're not doing it properly, that sends a message that you that some, it may come off like you don't care very much. Yeah, or, the optics like, of it. Eh? The optics right. definitely uh, look a lot better when the, those masks are on properly. Yeah, for sure. And and also it's Yeah, I I agree with yeah, both of you. Yeah, like it's just it's it's basically uh, I was just gonna say I agree with both of them. It's all about the example. Yeah. Sorry, just I might your internet might have been a bit slow there. But yeah, definitely want to set the right example for for, for fans and, and whatnot. And um but yeah, just you look at the issues that they had with COVID in the other divisions earlier in the season. They had to like the Dallas Stars and the Florida Panthers played like barely six games when every other team played like eleven games at that point. But with the vaccine rollout in the U.S., it is becoming um, it, it's been better in the U.S. for the most part or the American divisions. But honestly, I would not have been down to play that game last night without Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Yoel Armia, and also Tyler Toffoli. And that's another thing. Tyler yeah. Toffoli will be out this week. So we're, how, how do you think? So should Lekkonen stay in the lineup? Should Byron come out? Should they bring Michael Froelich in finally? What, how, how should they handle the, uh, the, the t- Tyler Toffoli injury this week? It's time to see Froelich, at least. Eh? It's, it's been 30 games, uh, 31 games maybe, I think. And we haven't seen what he can do. Uh, I'm excited to kind of see what he can add into the lineup. There's not that much scoring co- fr- coming from the bottom, bottom three at least. Could say those bottom four players really aren't contributing to scoring a little bit, and Frolik has a little bit more of a scoring touch. Uh, I would like to see, you know, if he can contribute a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna get to like a little bit more on talk on the bottom six with the uh, with the prospects there, um, because Ryan Paling has been tearing it up in the uh, with the mm-hmm. Little Rocket, right? Um, but. Let me ask you this: Through the first half of the year, and uh, and by the way, I honestly, Michael Froelich was supposed to play last night if that game had like been on, right? If the game didn't get postponed, he was primed to get in the lineup. But then, I don't know if he'll get his chance. But we'll see if if they decide to put Froelich in for Toffoli. But I want to ask the three of you guys: Tyler Toffoli is one of the is is one of maybe yeah probably the only guy on the Canadians with like a natural scoring touch. Maybe even not that natural, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But let me ask the three of you guys, who is the best forward on this team through the midway point of the season and why? I mean, it's hard to argue with Toffoli, but I mean, apart from him, uh, Gallagher is probably that. He's the most consistent, at least. He, he finds a way to get that puck in the net. Um, maybe Anderson can be up there too. But uh, give me one, know, Matt. Give me one. You guys got to give. I'll me give you Gallagher. He's always there. He's always that piece that that's the little spark plug for the Canadians when nothing's really going. So I uh, gotta say it's Gallagher for me at least. What about uh, Noah and Stevie? Who are your uh, best players? Best forward on the Canadians? You could choose one. Uh, I mean, if I had to choose one other than Toffoli, I'm probably gonna choose. You can choose Toffoli. I ain't stopping you from choosing Toffoli. It's up to you. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to like like Matt said. It's hard to argue against Toffoli. I'm probably gonna have to go with him because he's good at even strength. He's good on short like on the shorthanded line. He's good on power play. He's just an all around great player, and it was probably the best signing that Montreal got this offseason. 
So yeah, what a contract. Four yeah. years under five million dollars, yeah. and he's That's now like most... third in the NHL in goals. Uh-huh. Yeah. When you got the guys like Austin Matthews, and I mean, he's look, he's not at the level of Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, but just the fact that he's third or fourth in, in the league in goals and behind guys that are making 10, 11 million dollars, and he's getting like four million dollars, making four million dollars, right? So, and he hasn't had stable line mates this whole year, too. He kind of found his way up and down the uh, lineup, he's had different centers, he's played well with pretty much everyone. Although, I think I liked him best with Cock and Yemi, he seemed like he's putting the puck in the net a lot when he was with him. Mind you, shorthanded too, there, but. But let's be real. He's a goal scorer, and whenever you have playmakers on his line, like when you have playmakers on 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 that line, whether it's Kakanyemi or Suzuki or Drouin, you just got to be in the right place at the right time. And Toffoli, with his hockey mm-hmm. sense, is mm-hmm. really really good at being in the right place at the right time. In fact, just what stood out to me, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in the the tying goal, I want to say was it against the Jets the other week? Yeah, against the Jets, where he. Saw that they won the battles. It was Perry and Josh Anderson and Drew that won the battle in the corner. And he just snuck his way behind the net to get lost in the Winnipeg or the Jets D zone coverage. Found his way in front, just snuck his way there. And that's how Perry found him in front or Drew found him with like the really nice pass in front on the goal there. Yeah, his positioning is incredible, especially I don't, I don't find him to be horribly quick. I, I think I've noticed on a few times he looks pretty slow. But uh, he, he finds the right places to be, and that's, that's very important as a contributing hockey player. But you know what? You mentioned like the fact that he's not the quickest, and yeah, he is not the quickest. Also, Corey Perry isn't the quickest, but just mm-hmm. hockey sense and their veteran savvy with the puck on their stick, it's almost like they don't need to be very quick to be effective in their roles. I mean, look, Toffoli is supposed to be like he's a top six forward, but Corey Perry right at this point is a bottom six forward. So, they, But they don't need that speed to be effective. Like They're just... No. They just weave their way low key through through traffic, and and, and they're really good at, at choosing when to to deke and when to stick handle through traffic and when to take the simple play, and and yeah, just to fully to me also he's like the one guy on this team with like a quick quick release in his shot, and that's one thing that almost no one else on this team has except for well Cole Caulfield in the system, which again we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, Steve, you've been quiet. Who's your who's your best four on the Montreal Canadiens? Um. Again, I'd say it's difficult to argue against Defoli. I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. But just to bring up my different, who might be controversial to say as a top player, but honestly, watch it. I've watched pretty much every game this season because of lockdown, uh, especially with the curfew. I mean, there's nothing else to do but watch some hockey. Um, and I've noticed Drew a lot. I find Drew has a lot of speed. Um, and he, he gets in there. He gets down and dirty, and he does the work. You know what, Stevie? I'm so happy you mentioned that because I completely agree with you. To me, Jonathan Drouin has been the most consistent forward on the Montreal Canadiens this year. Not He only has two goals, sure, but he is on a 55-point pace. But the biggest thing to me with Jonathan Drouin is that besides maybe the, the goal that that the Oilers scored early in the season that ruined Jake, Jake Allen's shutout because he turned it over at the Habs blue line. Besides that, and maybe, okay, the referee breakout pass that went off the referee in the opener, Drouin has been good defensively. This is the, the first time since 2015-2016 where he's a plus player right now. And to me, Drouin is just so good at, at creating turnovers. Like He's just in great position on the forecheck to, to create turnovers. And then like we saw in the overtime there, 
Like, he still has the hands, but the only knock on Drew right now is just the lack of goals. But in terms of all-around play, I would say Drew has been the most, the best surprise at forward, and you can argue that he's been the most consistent forward, except for the goal scoring. So I'm, 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 I'm with you, Stevie. I'm saying Jonathan Drew on that one. Ah, I don't know nice. if I can agree there. You got to score more. You, you can't, you can't be considered a top player if you're not putting the puck in the net. Okay, I okay, know, but I what if, what if you have zero points, zero goals, but a hundred assists, a hundred points in a year? Well, it depends how the team's doing, I guess. In, in, uh, in that case, but. The team right now needs goals. And Jonathan Drouin, he, he's finding space, but he's not putting the puck in the back of the net. And ultimately, you need guys to put the puck in the net. The difference between Toffoli and uh, Drouin right now is 16 goals. That's massive. That is, that is the difference between a playoff team and, and a team that misses a playoff. He needs to put the puck in the net. I, I, he's playing great. And, and I'm sure the puck will find its way in, but... You know, it's a little concerning that he only has two goals, for me at least. But what I if he just he just keeps racking up the assists though? Go ahead, Noah. I, I have to, I kind of have to agree with Matt. It's like yes, you can you can have like a Wayne Gretzky esque type of play when it comes to assists, but ultimately this team needs goal scoring. And if I'm not mistaken, that was one of the reasons why uh, Mark Bergevin went after Jonathan Drouin, not only because he was a hometown player, but because of his potential to be a guy to put the puck in the back of the net. But also we, we have to mention that he was good before Dominic Ducharme took over for Claude Julien. And now he's just found a whole other level under Dominic Ducharme. It's like he unlocked, they unlocked another level of potential, potential out of him. But let me ask you guys this, how many goals that Suzuki scored that Josh Anderson scored that uh, who else did he play with? Um, I think to at some points, how many of those goals or even Petrie on, on the half wall on the power play, how many of those goals get scored without Jonathan Drouin's play playmaking ability? You you have a point. Uh, and I guess it, to me, it's just, you know, if, if, if it's more than two goals, if, if it's eight goals, we're probably not even having this conversation here. We're, I'm probably right, right there with you uh, saying he's the best player on the team. Um, what's his shooting percentage? I, I have like, a whole bunch of plays in my head where he just doesn't so Jonathan Drew shooting percentages is okay. You won't you'll you'll like this one, Matt. Three point eight percent right now is uh, Jonathan Drew's shooting percentage. It's rightfully low, but I don't know. There's there's some chances in the slot even where where he chooses to dish the puck off, and I I would just love to see him take that nice shot and find a, pick a corner at least. The, the the issue with Drouin, though, I feel like when it comes to goal scoring, he makes it a little bit, he, he overthinks it a little too much. He doesn't mm-hmm. take, but because here's the thing, Drouin, how many times this season where like Drouin was in the slot in a perfect scoring spot, in a perfect scoring space, and he didn't shoot, he opted to pass it. Like, yeah. like we've seen that so often, and it's like in certain, I feel like it's been a little bit less of late, and I've been seeing that more from Jesperi Kakanyemi as well. But yeah, like to me, with Drouin, is just he, I just I feel like he always wants to set up the perfect play versus just putting the puck on net. And in terms of his shot, like it's not a bad shot. It's just not again the release isn't there. The quickness of the release isn't there. And whenever he's in close, he always try, tries to deke out the goalie instead of just shoot. Yeah, and he hesitates a little too much. I'd like to see him just you know fire it a little more, especially from the slot. And, and that's been an issue honestly on all the Montreal Canadiens. And 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 let's quickly talk about. Uh, 
Yasperi Kakanyemi and Nick Suzuki while we're on that subject. So let me ask you guys, are, how, are, how do you feel or are you happy or unhappy with how Nick Suzuki and Yasperi Kakanyemi have looked so far this year? We'll start with uh, Noah. Well, overall, I'm, I'm happy with the progress. Like any progress is good progress. But the one aspect of their game that concerns me and I think needs a lot of work is their face-off winning. Like they need to step it up if they're going to develop into the players that we hope that they develop into and that we need them to develop into. Just uh, before Matt goes, so Kakanyemi is 48%. So he's been much better of late, Kakanyemi okay. has been, but Suzuki, it's been a struggle yeah. for him. He's still at 44%. Yeah. I think Kakanyemi's picked it up recently too. I, maybe in the like a month ago, I think probably his face-off percentage was closer to the bottom 40s. I've noticed him taking a nice step forward with face-offs uh, and with his confidence coming up too. Uh, he seems They both seem to be horribly inconsistent, like the Habs, for a lot of the season. The beginning, the first 10 games, Suzuki looked incredible. And then he's kind of, you know, he's been up and down since then. And Kakinami started off a little slow, and then he had that little spur of maybe like five games where he looked incredible too. And I think it's they have to figure out how to find that consistency in their game. To be great players, you have to be consistent in this league. And you know, they've shown they can do it um, for one reason or another. It doesn't stay. Uh, it, and, you know, maybe it's a matter of working out the kinks a little here and there. But Well, that reason is because probably because they're 20 and 21 years old, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about uh, Stevie before I go? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Matt, uh, basically, that the problem is consistency. Um, like I said, watching the games this season, um, there were a couple games where they excited me a lot. And I was like, wow, we really have some great players. And there were other games watching face-offs and not making the right play. So they, I guess they just need to grow, like you said. Mike, uh, only 20 and 21 years old, um, they have a, they have some time to develop. Yeah, what I really like about Nick Suzuki is honestly his two-way game. But what I really don't like is that I find his effort isn't always there, which is concerning. And, I mean, again, he's 21 years old, sure. But to be like he, – he's, he's the number one center on the Canadians right now. Like – He's playing yeah. the most minutes out of all the centers between Philip Deneau, yeah. Kakanyemi, Jake Evans. He's playing the most, Suzuki is. Yeah. so He doesn't look engaged all the time anymore. Like in the playoffs, in the bubble, he looked like he was right there all the time in the play, taking pucks away. But he, I don't know, it, it might be a little bit less engaged and a little bit less lack of effort there. I don't know. I agree with you. But what I do, again, what I do like is I still consistently reliable at playing a decent 200 foot game yeah um so like at least his effort i mean but then again the goal that he, that they scored that the canucks scored on saturday where he just unpressured just completely missed he had like three breakout options he completely missed his pass turns it over behind the net and then the canucks score like obviously that can happen that's all on nick suzuki but overall like the, he has had some games recently where he did show a little bit of that early mm-hmm. season version of himself and um, and to me, though, with Kotka Niemi, I've really liked the way he's been playing under Dominique Duchamp. He's at, uh, he's at 15 points in, in 31 games right now. 
But the only issue with Kakanyemi to me, though, is again just the sh- the decisions or the lack thereof to shoot the puck quickly and on net. Because there was a play in the Vancouver game recently where Holtby was screened by his defense. But I forgot what defenseman it was. But Kakanyemi, if he shoots the puck there, he he's like just barely, like sort of accurately low blocker, low glove side. That's a goal because Holtby didn't see anything. But instead, he opted to pass to Lekkanen, and Lekkanen's Lekkanen, and he's not going to score many goals. But yeah, because he's Lekkanen. But uh, we, hey, we love love Arturi Lekkanen's work work ethic, and he probably should be. I mean, should he be in the lineup of, instead of Paul Byron? You guys? It's tough to say. That like neither of them are really making a compelling argument to stay in the lineup. Uh, I would like to see one of them grab that opportunity. Like you know, start producing a little bit more, or or at least you know, show that you really want to be there over the next guy. Uh, and we're waiting to see that, I I think. Yeah, and uh, just with, it's just it's just frustrating, I guess, how they just don't, they don't provide offense. Like, they're great penalty killers. Mm-hmm. But to me, Paul Byron, like, his speed is just not as, like, it's, when he gets to top level speed, it's it's fast, but he's just not as, like, he, he just takes him a while to get there. He doesn't have, like, that instantaneous speed like Connor McDavid does or, or even Josh yeah. Anderson has, you know? So, um, so yeah, so let's, let's actually talk about some other news from this week. So the, the Canadians were anticipating that Jordan Harris, the defense, the defense prospect at Northeastern was going to sign his entry level deal this week, but he opted to stay an extra year at Northeastern. And, um, so look, honestly, I wouldn't think too much into it. Like, look, guys, they, they, they want their education as well. But to me, it's a little concerning that that they, that that they didn't get him under contract this year. Is there is there a rule with the NTAA that if you don't sign a player in the first three years, that they go back into the draft or something like that? Well, they become an or unrestricted become free agent. agent. Yeah. yeah. So you look at yeah. uh, who, who's the guy? Uh, it was Schultz, Justin Schultz, I believe, was an yeah. unrestricted free agent like that out of college. So honestly, like, well, that could that possibly happen with Jordan Harris? Like, I don't know. You know, he's turning 21 ish. So, I mean, that would be my number one concern for him. The Habs have a ton of left handed defensemen in the prospect pool um, around that age, 19, 20 years old. So, I don't know. I think a lot of it would might be Montreal media generating the buzz behind uh, uh, Harris a little bit. Like, it was Norlinder last year and even to extent beginning of this year. And I'm still excited to see him, but I've heard less about him recently. Um, he also, he's also a left-hander, left-handed defenseman around the same age. You know, there's a bit of a, a jam uh, to get into the lineup uh, in the pros for the Habs and the Laval Rocket on the left-hand side. So, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm not overly concerned that he's staying at Northeastern. I think it might even help his development captaining that team there and, and growing a little bit more as a player too. But you know what I learned though? I learned that um, I, I've I've become immune to buying into prospect hype. You know what? You know what just just annoys me so much is like when people on Twitter are like, "Oh, Habs projected lineup from 2025." Like, yeah. how do you know that any of these players are going to make it? Because remember, remember 2018, you guys. Right? Remember what that 2018 lineup looked like with like Jacob De La Rose as a second line center or whatever it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> atrocious. Oh wow. Remember, remember how many people, by the way, Stevie, welcome back. I know you went inside because your internet's better in, inside. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so welcome back. But honestly, 
how I'm sure there was someone on Twitter that had J- Jacob Del Rose pegged in as a second line center and how he would be a great second line center when he reaches his prime. But look at 2018 and how they the Canadians did when Del Rose was a second line center. So to me, again, I don't believe in prospect type until one, they're under contract. Two, they're playing in North America for the Laval Rocket at, at worst. And number three, when they finally get their call up and how they how they do with their call up opportunity. Unless that player is Cole Caulfield, because I think even the Habs Instagram is starting to hype him up too. Cole Caulfield. Oh, we're gonna talk about that in a second. But just the last thing I want to say, like remember, remember like freaking guys like Greg Pattern, Morgan Ellis, yeah. Jared Tenorti, Nathan Bolia. How they were Ooh. the next. They're gonna be the next top four defensemen on the Canadians for the next five years. Like what happened to them? <laughs> and then we lost them. Yeah, and they they won the Memorial Cup. Or was uh, Morgan Ellis with the with the, with Michael Bournevaux with the with the with Shakutami there or not Shakutami? I think Bolia won it too. Bolia, yeah, with the with the uh, with with uh, not Halifax, uh, St. John's, right? Yeah, St. John. Yes, it was St. John. It was Drew who won it with uh, Halifax with Dominic Ducharme. But to me, again, it's it's just. Yeah, I again, I I don't believe it until I see it. Great, it's great to have prospects. It's great to think of the idea of what they could be, but it's in terms of what their value to the team isn't quite what it is until they're actually on the team. But with that being said, we have three players that are playing really well in Laval or in Wisconsin right now. They are Cole Caulfield in Wisconsin, Ryan Paling, and Kale Fleury. So let me ask you guys, who is going to be the next? Of those three players, Cole Caulfield, Ryan Paling, and Kale Fleury, to play a game for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it, I, to me, it's between Caulfield and Paling. Uh, I I wish we could have seen Fleury in by now. Uh, I guess since he's a right, if he was a left-handed defenseman, I'm sure he would have. But um, I guess him being on the right side kind of uh, pushes him back down the depth chart a little bit. Uh, I don't know. When's uh, when's Wisconsin playing in the tournament? I think uh, later this week up? at some point. Yeah, later yeah. this week. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, Paling is playing decently in, in Laval. I think he's picked it up recently too. Um, you know, if either of Cole Caulfield or Paling get in the lineup, it would be great. Um, I'm more excited to see Caulfield. We got a taste of Paling and he, you know, that, apart from that first game where he scored the hat trick, I think he's had one goal in 27 or so games since then. Uh, so we've got a taste. I'm excited over Caulfield. I've seen that scoring ability. The Habs need kind of a pure goal scorer. Uh, you know, if they find a spot for him in the top six or at least have him on the power play or in a position where he can contribute, um, that would be great. I would love to see that. No, what about for you? Who's going to be uh, next uh, play for the Montreal Canadiens of those three guys? Uh, I mean, it really all depends. If the injury bug keeps going on, then like the most immediate guy in my mind would have to be Ryan Paling. I mean, well, here's the thing, though. Like, with Kale Fleury, like, with the defense situation, the fact that Kale Fleury is a right-handed defenseman, the third pair, right? Like, who's the third pair right-handed defenseman? Romanov? He could move on the left side. He's a left-handed shot. So... Who is the staple on the on the third pair there? No one. So just put Romanov on the left side, or maybe even bump him bump him up a little bit with Weber. I mean that didn't quite work out, I guess, when they tried it. But even with um, if Mete and Willette continue to flounder a little bit, I mean Mete, don't get me wrong, played a really good game last game. 
But if they, but he's, they've both been very inconsistent. So to me, why not try Kale Flurry on that right side with Romanov? I feel like we would have seen it by now, though. It's a little concerning almost that we haven't seen either at the beginning of the year, Claude Julien or now Dominic Duchamp. They, they haven't gone to Kale to even give him a game. It makes me question it a bit. I want to see him play. I mean, he's he's been kind of like a wrecking ball in the AHL there with the, mm-hmm. like every every week or every game I see like some kind of gif or uh, or highlight on Twitter of him just just crushing someone like Romanov has been doing this year. But so to me, if I were to pick one, I would say I would say it's gonna be, I don't know. Honestly, I stumped myself in my own question. Stevie, you go ahead before I uh, while I'm <laughs> thinking here. Oh, I, I mean, I I've heard good things about all three players. Um, like you, I don't give in to the into the hype, or at least I try not to, because over the years I've gotten so disappointed where the Habs hype up somebody so much and they're like, he's going to be amazing, he's going to save the Habs, and we're all of a sudden going to be a Stanley Cup winning team, and then they go somewhere else. Um, with that being said, um, I know that Caulfield is a goal scorer and has a strong ability to score. And we need that. Like, we need the next superstar on the Habs to emerge because our team is pretty balanced otherwise. But we need, like, that one that one superstar out there. Separating factor, yeah. So I decided it's going to be Kill Flurry. Here's why. Because Ooh. Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling is doing really, really well with Joel Bouchard right now. Really, really well. And it took him a while, like you said, Matt. To, it took him a while to find his game and find that kind of consistency, which he has been playing with right now in Laval. Again, just more time with jo- Dominic. With Dominic, nice. Joel Bouchard. The more time for Ryan Paling with Joel Bouchard in Laval, the better. So I, I, I think they're just going to choose to keep being patient with Paling. Although the argument can be made that he will be more, he would be more productive as a fourth line center than Paul Byron which is why they might... But then again, they, they think they've been talking about calling up uh, Veggie, Lucas uh, yeah. Vegdemo there, right? I love that nickname, by the way. Um, but but with Cole Caulfield, same thing. He's probably going to start with the Laval Rocket for a little bit, and if he tears it up, then he might have to... They, they might have to make Caulfield earn his call-up to the NHL before before he actually gets called up. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's fine, though, too. I agree with you on Paling, but now that he's playing well uh, in Laval... You know, he just started to let him learn a little. I wouldn't even, you know, if we see him down there for the rest of the year and then maybe he he competes for a spot in uh, next year's summer summer camp, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be upset with that. I think it might be best for his future. Yeah, I mean, but but again, uh, with Caulfield, like like we've been saying and like I've been saying, he just has yeah. something that no other forward on this Montreal Canadiens team has. No one. No one can shoot the puck as accurately, as quickly as Cole Caulfield. I don't care about the size because if you shoot the puck like that, the way I see it, you don't really need much time and space to shoot the puck like that to be an effective forward at the NHL level. And he's been an all-round player in college as well. Like he's been, he's been like like over a point per game player. He's getting, he's setting up his line mates. He's making guys around him better. So. It's it's it. He's gonna and on the power play, he's gonna draw coverage towards him. I mean, the Habs power play has been really good under Burroughs anyway. So yeah. to me, I but I still feel like he has to earn a spot though in the um in 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 Laval before he gets that call up though. But 
Well, a couple more things I do want to mention, though. So we got trade deadline approaching here. I believe it's April uh, April 7, right, the trade deadline day? So it's yeah. just about two weeks away. And that's actually, if you think of it, with uh, with quarantine laws coming into Canada, that would mean that if that a deal would have to be made on Wednesday for a Canadian team to have their newly acquired player by trade deadline day. So one name that we all know has been, has been floating around there has been Matthias Ekholm of the Nashville Predators, left-handed defenseman, two years left on his deal. It might cost a lot to get him, though. Do we do it? Do the Canadians do it or not? Uh, I mean, I know that a big part of where the Canadians need help is uh, defense. Um, and we need left-handed defensemen at that. So right now it might be good, but um, we also have to make sure that we're in our cap space and that we don't overpay for him. Like I yeah. wouldn't, if it's something exorbitant, I would say just leave it as is and keep working with what we have for now. I don't think it's worth it to go crazy spending. Yeah. It depends on the asking price for me too, because, uh, two years left on his contract that's this year and next year at three, seven, five. Right. And, and he feels like. A bit of a much-needed hole on the left side. I, I don't know about you, but Sherrod on the first pairing uh, on the left side does not work for me long-term. And if you see Ekholm filling that role for a little bit, maybe as a placeholder for maybe a Romanov or someone else for now, uh, I, I'd be willing to pay a little bit for that. Um, I'm a little worried about the contract um, up in a year. Habs have a lot of contracts coming up up in a year too. Uh, they're going to have to sign Kakinami, Suzuki, um, a few defensemen, I'm sure. And with those big contracts, Price and Weber carry too. Like, you're going to run into a problem at a certain point. And uh, I don't know. If you want Ekholm, if we want Ekholm now, it depends on the asking price for me. If it's, I'm not willing to pay too much for him. That being said, we have a lot of picks. Yeah, it's it's probably gonna be a um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's probably gonna be like a Jake Muzzin type of deal, maybe even more, because you know number three defenseman or top three defenseman in the NHL they don't grow on trees. And yeah. but here's the issue though with the Canadians. There's there's two things, two sides of the coin here. To me, it's either like the Habs. They're not gonna win. They're, they'd be in better position to win now next year than this year. Yeah. But yeah. on the other side of the coin. You look at how they acquired Jeff Petrie back in yeah. 2015. They acquired Jeff Petrie. He had a year left on his deal after that. But then Mark Bergevin did his thing, talked to Sweet Talk, and kept Petrie for another four or five years after that. And then he did the Sweet Talk again and kept Jeff Petrie for another five, six years after that. And he became a – and now he's a Norris Trophy, top five candidate for the Norris Trophy this year. So to me, it's either – like, like, do you go for the opportunity to get a really good player who you can potentially keep and re-sign? Or do you keep the prospect pool and the draft picks and maybe stockpile them up to make that type of deal next year if you're in a better position to win now? Which route do you take? This is the player you want, though. So, like, what's, what are you willing to give up to him? We have a ton of prospects and picks, at least in this draft. There's no way we're going to develop all of these 19, 20-year-olds and draft. They have a how many picks do they have this, this draft? Like an incredible amount in the top five. They have like three in the second round, the three in the third round, a couple in the fourth, a couple in the fifth. We're not going to, you can't develop all these players. So I think like if we're talking about giving up picks and, and lower or 
maybe even a higher end prospect, but it depends who to get at home. I do it, even if it's just for this year and next year. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no. What do you think, man? You've been quiet there. I agree with Matt that like it definitely depends on the asking price, but like we have a great prospect pool right now. And if we're going to be adding that many, which is like, we have obviously like you have your first rounder, then you have like, like three and then two and then two. That's just a long list that I mean, it's, it's eventually something's got to give. You can't, you can't keep that many players on your roster and just expect them to wait around and do nothing. So at some point you got to make a splash and, if Matthias Ekholm is the number one guy that's going around right now, or one of the top three or top four, he might be a guy to go after, even if it's just for the next two years. And maybe Bergevin can do his his thing again with the, with defensemen. Well, let me ask you this, guys. So, by the way, the Habs have two second round picks, three third round picks, and four sorry, three fourth round picks and three fifth round picks. So, yeah, a huge ton, a bunch of picks in the twenty twenty one upcoming draft, which, by the way, might not even happen which is another thing that I can factor to talk about. But here's the issue to me also is, or, or actually there was another idea that I had and a name that I want to throw at you. What about a guy like Alex Goligoski? What's his contract situation? Like, I don't know. He's I a UFA, they... UFA at the end of the year. I think he has like a, he's a, a, carries a four or $5 million cap hit with the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. I mean, the difference from the Habs being in first place in this Canadian division and and way lower is like five goals. Like imagine they had instead of overtime, nine overtime goals. Loss, yeah, overtime goals. That's a key factor there. But like hmm. if they're four points, if they win four overtime games and they have like five overtime losses, they're a point behind Toronto for first place in this division with a game at hand. So like a Goligoski type player, you know, maybe it doesn't help the scoring in overtime, but it's this team is close to being at the top of this division somehow, and you know it could go either way. So you know, if they choose to invest in in, in defenseman Goligoski, um, I'd be happy with it. Well, what's interesting to me also is that a guy like Alec Martinez last year. Yeah. He went to the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's he's like in their top four right now. Or is he still in their top four? I'll have to double-check that. But but a guy like Alec, Alec Martinez got traded for two second-round picks last year. And that's a mm-hmm. price that the Habs, they can give up two second-round picks to acquire a defenseman like Alec Martinez, who had a year left on his deal also. But to me, again, it's like you know, it also has to be the right player and the right opportunity and um and and yeah just yeah i'm just confirming uh where where uh alec martinez is in the knights lineup i think he's injured right now or no he's playing he's playing number one minutes with shea theodore right now so on a really good vegas golden knights team so there you go and he's also the guy that scored the goal that won seven years ago for the kings in double yeah there you go exactly it's it's funny that you mentioned overtime scoring and you bring up alec martinez so but that's also five on five and not three on three and yeah uh, definitely (laughs) Big difference. And that's a good thing for the Canadians yeah. if they make it to the playoffs, that they don't have to worry yeah. about five on five overtime. But to me, it's like, can this defenseman that they would acquire, whether it's Ekholm, Goligoski, or whoever else, it's like a Martinez type guy, uh, can they? Can that defenseman keep the Canadians from make, getting to overtime? So, yeah. like those 10 overtime games the Habs have played so far, can, let's say, 
can they have maybe, I mean, they have to fight back and let's say three or four of them, but let's say the game against the Leafs, the opener. Let's say the, the game against the Jets, where I believe they had a, a 3-2 lead going into the third, or the Canucks. They had, there was definitely some games in there where they had leads that going into the third, they got, they, they, they tie, the other team tied it up and they went to overtime. So can this defenseman prevent you from going to overtime? Yeah, I think like if it, Ekholm would definitely be my favorite of the three. Uh, followed by Martinez and Goligoski looks like he's maybe taking a step backwards. I think he's like late thirties now. Uh, this year hasn't been his greatest, but Ekholm and uh, Martinez can definitely still play and they can contribute too. So I think those two, I'd be willing to give up a whole heck of a lot more. And I think they can definitely contribute to getting those uh, W's in the first 60 minutes too. Well, we'll wait with uh, well, Martinez is not going anywhere because Vegas is gonna win. Like, so that's not like the Habs aren't getting Alec Martinez. <laughs> yeah, no, just, they're not getting rid of him. I, I just no. thought out there because he he got traded for two second round picks last year, and that's a price that the Habs can pay for that type of defenseman. Right. So, anyway, last question, guys. We're gonna wind down here a little bit, but my my last question for you guys is real simple: What do the Montreal Canadiens need to do to make the playoffs and to win in them? I I think we need. Uh more cohesiveness and um, consistency out of our players. Um, notice in all the games we've played, every few games they seem to switch up the lineups, switch up the pairings. Um, and I think just finding the players that mesh well together will help. I did notice that um, Dominique Deschamps uh, has made a difference. I think uh, the power play has been a little bit better. But um, he's still switching up the lineup. So we need to find those right players with a good chemistry. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll probably, they could probably hobble their way into the, the playoffs right now, just following the pace that they're going at currently, just based on Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa. Mind you, Vancouver is coming on hot recently. So maybe not. But um, like Stevie said, consistency if they find consistency there's times that this team has looked like they can compete with anyone and then there's times where you would probably take them to lose against buffalo who has six wins on the season and it's it's a matter of finding what team what is this team like are they good are they terrible and you know stick to it they could win games to me it's very simple it's it's very very simple this team is supposed to be good in net, which they've been much better as of late with Carey Price. I mean, besides the game, he was he gave up uh, four goals on like 18 shots against the Canucks, but he was very clutch in overtime and the shootout. And before that, he was in a stretch of like five, six games. He had like a 950 save percentage, 1.57 goals against average, and should have had two shutouts. But all this to say, goaltending, check. Goal scoring, you can say they're lacking goal scoring, sure, but to me, the bigger issue is when you when you dominate a team like the Canucks, one nothing, and and are only, and it's only one nothing after the first period, and then you come into the second period, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls off because you can't break out of your own zone. So to me, the issue is the main issue, and even the Calgary games are that they were obviously not good, like they were not playing their best hockey, especially playing the second game in less than twenty four hours. But what killed them in that game was their inability to break out of their own zone. Their defense and and their ability simply to break out of their own zone. And to me, if they can avoid those costly mistakes 
early in periods, at points where they're up and in control of a hockey game, getting 30, 40 shots on net, but only up by one or two. If they can avoid that mistake that just kills them in the in their defensive zone breaking out, that will be what will allow them to be that much more consistent and what will yeah. allow them to win in the playoffs if they make it there. Yeah, I think one more thing too uh, that I just wanted to add. If their defenseman hits the net a little more with their shots, Oh, don't I even get me started see, with that. We're gonna um, we're gonna see a lot more goals because how many times do you see like any of okay. these defensemen? So only two defensemen should be allowed to shoot the puck from the point: Romanov and Petrie. No one else should. And Edmondson maybe that one time that Edmondson got it through. He's been, I'd say half half, but not Weber, not Kulak, and not what not Mete, not Willette. Only Romanov and Petrie, and maybe on some nights Edmondson should be allowed to shoot the puck from the point. They really need to work on their accuracy. They miss yeah. the net. So often, mm. it's ridiculous. And like even Petrie, I've seen him miss the net with a shot, and it flies back, scoring chance the other way. It, it, these things happen too often. And if you hit the net, like simply hit the net, not even talking score the goal, hit the net, hit the goalie, get a rebound. I think that could be the difference between like five wins or losses. Or 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 maybe stop overfeeding the point and actually try to get yeah, into the slot and actually crash the net. Because you have the size and the bodies to do that. You got Josh Anderson, you got Corey Perry, you got Brandon Gallagher, who's not a big guy, but mm-hmm. we all know Brandon Gallagher is Brandon Gallagher. But maybe, like, stop overfeeding the points. And, yeah. you know, it works when you have traffic in front and when it's well synced up, when it's, when it's a, a well-calculated play. But if there's no traffic in front, if the defenseman's going to miss the net, well, then feed, get into the slot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, well, thank you so much for joining us here on this this YouTube and Spotify Apple podcast episode of Langer at the Mic. As usual, give us a big thumbs up. And if you don't mind, real quick, I'm going to allow you guys to share your Twitter and Instagram handles. But, of course, you know, yeah, go ahead, Noah. Where can we find you on Twitter and or Instagram? Uh, you can find me on neither because I, I have run into some problems recently, like in the last year where, uh, like, my, my Instagram account got hacked. So I... Decided to leave Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at Noah Siegel London, and the same on YouTube. That's about where you can find me. But I promise you, when you go on, uh, when you get to CSM, or yeah, where are you on YouTube again? Uh, my name is Noah Siegel London, also on YouTube. Perfect. And uh, I'm going to get yeah. back on Twitter. Eventually. You're going to get that when you're at CSM. I guarantee you that. But yeah. uh, Matt, <laughs> uh, Instagram Matt Liftings. Well, my Twitter is Matt Count eighteen. Excellent, Steve. And we got uh, Twitter at S Consister and uh, Instagram is at Stevie Consister. Excellent. And as usual, I'm Mike Langer, both on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Langer at the Mic. As usual, give us a big thumbs up on this video. Subscribe to the, subscribe to my channel here and also Noah Siegel London's channel. Give us all a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And this has been a Langer at the Mic Habs episode here on Langer at the Mic. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I look forward to seeing you again next time.